Hallelujah. Come on, can you stand up and put God in His rightful place this morning? Hallelujah. The Bible says if He is high and lifted up, that He will draw all men unto Him this morning. Amen. He's worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. I'm going to ask that you remain standing until I get to the meat of my message. The title of my message this morning that the Holy Spirit has given to me is to an unknown God. It's from Acts chapter 17, verses 22 to 28. My opening text will be verses 22 to 23. And it says, so Paul, standing before the council, addressed the people as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking through your city, I saw your many monuments and shrines and objects of worship. And one of your elaborate altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. And here in the middle church of a city filled with everything religious, Paul finds an altar that was erected to an unknown God. To a God that the people didn't know. Every other shrine and every other monument had a name attached to it, had an identity attached to it. Every other religious structure was associated with a specific name that they were familiar with. But here in the middle of it all, Paul finds an elaborate shrine and an altar that was erected to an unknown God. A God they didn't know, and yet they worshipped Him. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is in this place. I thank you that your Holy Spirit has a plan this morning, Father God, and it is for us to know you better. It's for us to become more intimately acquainted with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I pray, Father God, this morning that we hadn't gathered here in vain, but that we gathered, Father God, in the hopes of coming closer to the King. That we've come in the hopes of touching you and knowing you and becoming intimately acquainted with you. Come in the hopes to see you high and lifted up, Father God, so that your glory could fill this place. So God, it's my prayer that over the next few moments that we would forget about ourselves and concentrate on you and worship you, God. Worship you while we listen. Worship you while we open up our hearts and worship you as we allow your words to find a place in the soil of our soul. Worship you as we allow your Holy Spirit to have his rule and his reign. Worship you, God, as we give ourselves completely and totally to you. God, I can't do this on my own. I need your power and your Holy Spirit, God, not just for one service, but for two. So I pray, God, that your people would hear you and not me, see you and not me. And feel you and not me this morning, God. We give you the praise and the glory and all of God's people said, Amen. You might be seated. Hallelujah. As we read this passage this morning, it's easy to understand, discover quickly that Paul wasn't speaking to a group of fellow believers. It's easy to discover right off the bat that he wasn't speaking to the Jews or the followers of Christ or those that actually knew Jesus. As a matter of fact, he was speaking to a bunch of heathens and he was speaking to a bunch of unbelievers. But how many of you know that doesn't mean the word can't apply to us? 
doesn't mean that this word can't apply to those who have gathered in the house of the Lord this morning and gathered in his name, because I believe with all of my heart that the Holy Spirit gave me this word this morning, because if Paul were to walk through the aisles of our church this morning, if he was to walk up and down our city, I believe he would speak the same exact words. I see that you are very religious in every way. I see that you worship a God that you do not know. I believe with all of my heart that if he was to ride his horse down Bullsboro Drive, down Highway 34, past the Church of God and past the Assemblies of God and past the, the Cornerstone Church and past the Seventh-day Adventist Church and past the Jehovah's Witness Church and past the uh, Episcopal Church and the Presbyterian Church uh, as he rode his horse by all the, the religious institutions that are erected up and down this highway, I believe Paul would be moved to speak the same exact words, but not men of Athens. Men of Coweta County, or men of Sharpsburg, or people of Peachtree City, or, or those of Noonan. I believe he might even call out our names as religious institutions, people of South Metro Ministries, or people of Trinity Fellowship, or people of Grace Baptist Church, or, or people of Christ the King Episcopal Church. I believe if he was to ride our streets, he would bring the same exact message. I, I see that you are religious in every single way. I see that you worship a God that you don't even know. And that's the basis of my message this morning. I see that you are religious. And what you have to understand is that Paul, as he went through this city, he carefully inspected the objects of worship. And in the middle of all these religious institutions, he says, I have found an altar erected to an unknown God. I have found numerous temples up and down Highway 34. I've noticed your monuments and your signs with nice little poems on them and, and, and religious activities that are scheduled all throughout the week. I've seen your stained glass windows uh, uh, with angels and with, with crosses and with crowns. I have found your sanctuaries filled with instruments of praise and instruments of worship and all other sorts of religious objects. I've seen your crosses and your paintings. I've seen your banners and your bumper stickers. I've seen your t-shirts and your jewelry. I, I've found everything religious and all of these religious objects. And yet for many of you, it's all been erected and it's all been directed to an unknown God. A God you don't know, but yet it's a God that you attempt to worship. And in verse 23, it's exactly what Paul says, church. For as I was walking along, I saw your many monuments, structures, and shrines, and objects of worship, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. And the reality is, heathen or not, church, the people of Athens gathered into their shrines and gathered into their temples week after week, day after day, and they worshipped something. They worshipped Someone They worshipped a God. They didn't even know, the Bible says. They built an altar to a God above all gods. And I'll, I'll give you some information on that in a while. But they built an altar uh, to a God above all gods. But a God they didn't even know. A God they never met. 
A God they've never seen, a God they never experienced, a God they never touched, a God they never tasted of to know that He was good, a God that they never experienced anything about, and yet the Bible tells us they worshipped Him. They built an altar church, and they brought offerings to this God that they didn't know. They made sacrifices to this God. They bowed before this God and they worshiped this God and they cried out to this God in their very time of need. And whether they were heathen or not, my point is simply this. They worshiped a God they didn't know and so can we. They worshiped a God that they weren't intimately, personally acquainted with and so can we. And so do we, church, from time to time. According to Paul, the people of Athens were very religious. They practiced their religion faithfully and religiously. They went through all the motions. They, they went through all the routines, church, with regularity and with devotion. The Bible tells us they came to this particular altar, this altar that was erected to an unknown God every day. And on every occasion that they could in hopes of a response, they worshiped and sacrificed at an altar erected to an unknown God, hoping that he would hear them and hoping that he would respond. But he didn't. And in order to better understand this passage and lay a foundation for where I'm going, you need to know that during Paul's visit, church, it was it was the city had been ravaged by a plague. When Paul came to the city and he spoke these words, the the city of Athens was experiencing a plague church that had raged through their land. And when they had sacrificed to all the other gods that they knew by name, when they had made sacrifices and worshipped all of the other gods that had a name associated with it, but got no response and no answer to, to the problem that they were facing, their elders and their council told them to release all of their sacrificial sheep. And wherever those sheep went and laid down, they were to erect an altar there to the proper God. They were to erect an altar there to a God above all gods. They were to erect an altar there of a God above every God that they would worship, church, an altar to an unknown God. And they did so. But because they didn't know this God by name, Because they didn't know the God above gods by his proper name and by his powerful name, they inscribed upon the altar the words to an unknown God. Just in case there's a God out there that can hear. Just in case there's a God above all gods. Just so I can be safe, I'll I'll go erect this altar and I'll worship at it. And I'll bring offerings to it, and I'll sacrifice to it, and I'll bow down before it, and I'll I'll worship a God that I don't know just in case He can answer, just in case He can have ears. They erected altars, church, to all sorts of gods. When you study this passage, sun gods, moon gods, earth gods, fertility gods, Animal gods and plant gods, all sorts of other gods. But in the midst of it all, Paul notices an altar. He finds an altar erected to an unknown God. And sadly, church, and I hope you understand as I bring this word this morning, I'm not here to condemn any of us in the house. I'm here to speak some truth. I'm here that, so that the Holy Spirit can bring us to a place 
where we can know Him like we've never known Him before, so that we can experience Him like we've never experienced Him before. You see, we can talk all about revival, and we can pray all about revival, and we can ask God to come and stir us and move us and, and, and cause us to, to be happy. But the reality is, if you don't know Him, you can't have revival. If you don't know Him, church, you can't experience Him. You can't feel Him. You can't taste Him. We've got to know Him before we experience any kind of revival in our life. But the sad reality is, so many of us have done the same thing that the men of Athens did. We've erected altars to all sorts of other gods in our life. We've erected altars to the false gods of Hollywood and sports and entertainment. And we know them intimately. We're, we're well acquainted with who they are when we know them all by name. We know our favorite sports athlete. We know our favorite pop star. We know everything there is to know about Hollywood. We know their statistics and we know the, the team that we, they, they play on. We know their record and we keep up with it daily, especially if we're a fantasy football player. We know their songs, we know their groups, we know their bands, we know their lyrics by heart, and we hum them as we go down the road, and we sing their fancy tunes every single day. We know them by name, and we are well acquainted with them, church. We've erected altars to the dead gods of the lust of the flesh, and the the lust of the eyes, and the, the pride of life, and we give ourselves completely and fully and wholly at those altars, hoping... To get something in return. But everything that we get in return is dead, church, because they are dead gods that can't offer anything. We've erected expensive altars to the gods of pleasure and materialism and greed. And we sacrifice our families at the altar. We sacrifice our friendships at that altar We sacrifice our finances and our minds and our future at the altar of pleasure and materialism and greed. We've built shrines and erected altars to the mighty egos of me, myself, and I. And we worship ourselves instead of the mighty God above all gods. And we worship ourselves, church, because we don't know Him by name. We're not intimately acquainted with Him, so we worship me, myself, and I, church. We know everything there is to know about all these false, dead gods. The reality is, some of us sit up into the wee hours of the morning getting to know the gods of lust and pornography. And we know everything there is to know about them. We've got them on our favorites on our computer. We know everything there is, and we spend our time getting to know the gods of this world instead of getting to know the King of Kings and the the Lord of Glory Church. We spend hours at the bar getting to know the gods and the spirits of wine and strong drink, church. We spend hours at a time, church. Do you understand what I'm saying? Getting acquainted personally and intimately and physically involved with the lusts of the flesh and the lusts of the eyes and the pride of life, church. We spend hours every single day Acquainting ourselves with the gods of materialism and greed. 
We spend extra hours and overtime hours just to get to know them a little bit better. We know everything there is, church, but in the middle of it all, there is found an altar to an unknown God. A God we don't even know. He is a strange God to some of us this morning. He is a distant God to some of us this morning. He is an unknown God that we have no intimacy with, no physical contact with. We never kissed him and we never held him tight. We never hold him dear. We are unacquainted with this God above all God's church. We do not know him. The reality is some of us are more intimate, like I said, with our computer screen than we are with the King of Glory some of us are more intimately acquainted with an iPod and an iPhone and, a, and an iMac than we are with Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. You see, the reality is, He's a God that many of us don't walk with. And many, uh, many, many of us, uh, He's a God that we don't talk with along life's narrow way. He's a God we ignore six days out of the week. And then we try to squeeze something out of them on the seventh day, just like the men of Athens did when they had a need. When everything was falling apart, then they made their way to this altar. And then they wanted to try to get to know them. When everything was falling apart and a plague raged through their land, and we do the same exact thing. We go out into the world six days of the week, and we worship false dead gods. We build altars Monday through Saturday to the dead gods of flesh. And then on Sunday we come and we try to squeeze something out of a God we don't even know. A God we don't know how to worship. A God that we are not intimately, personally acquainted with, given to and consecrated to. And we wonder why all hell breaks loose in our life. Because listen to me, God, church. God said, there shall be no other gods before me. And if we've got one God before the big, great God, He won't listen to your prayers. He won't listen to your cries. He won't respond to your tears, no matter how many you shed. The reality is the house of God is filled with individuals that worship a God they do not know. They might know a title. They might know him as a simple little name badge like Jesus. But listen to me. They don't know him like Paul knew him. They don't know him like David knew him. They don't know him like Isaiah knew him. They don't know him like Ruth knew him. Or they don't know him. Do you understand me, church, this morning? Just because you come into the house of God don't mean you know God. Just because you're sitting in a pew this morning doesn't mean you're intimately acquainted with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, church. The King of Glory. It means you're sitting in a nice, comfortable seat. That's what it means. But I want you to know this morning, God wants you to know Him. Listen, we're living in a time, church. We're coming to a close of this chapter called eternity. We're going to see the King one day, face to face, stand before Him. And if you don't know Him now, guess what you'll hear? I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. You worshipped all these other gods all your life, and now you want to come in. 
And understand what I'm saying. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to prepare you this morning for personal revival and for a place in glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We know everything there is to know, church. Got a scratchy throat this morning, so you keep praying for me. God's word is still faithful. Amen. Just in case there is a God above God's, I'll go to church. Just in case everything my mommy told me and everything my daddy told me and everything my grandpa told me and everything my wife's been preaching to me or everything my husband's been telling me about, just in case I'll go. Just in case, I'll build a nice little altar and I'll sing a little and I'll worship a little and I'll clap a little and I might even dance a little bit. I'll do all those just in case. But guess what? I don't really care to know Him. I don't really care to have an intimate personal relationship with Him. It's just a thing to do, so I'll come. That's not knowing God, church. And that's not how you get a response from the King of Kings and the the Lord of Lords. Yes, it was an altar to the God above all gods. Yes, it was an altar to the God who created the sun and the moon and the stars. Yes, church, it was an altar to the God who said, let there be light and light flash through the skies. To the God who opened his mouth and the entire universe came into being. Yes, it was an altar to the God who breathed life into a pile of dirt and brought forth all of mankind. Yes, it was at least an altar to the proper God, the one true God, the only wise God, the holy God of Israel. The only problem is the men of Athens didn't know that God. and Too many of us don't know him either, church. We are strangers to the one we worship. I hope you realize it's not enough to build an altar. We've got to learn what it means to sacrifice ourselves at that altar. We need to understand what it means to become personally and intimately acquainted with the one that we sacrifice to. You see, you can bring sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. But it doesn't mean anything unless you know the one. You sacrifice. Our worship doesn't mean anything unless we know the one that we worship, church. Understand, the men of Athens bowed at this altar. They sacrificed at this altar. They worshiped and lifted up their hands and lifted up their voices and they cried out at this altar, church, hoping that the God above all gods would move on their behalf. But building an altar and crying out wasn't enough. The problem was they didn't know the God that they cried out to for help. And unfortunately, the same thing still happens today, church. People gather in the house of God all across this land and they worship a God they don't even know. Maybe their parents told them something about Him. Maybe a friend told them something about Him. Maybe they've read a little bit about Him, but they do not know Him, church. They don't know Him. Like you know a friend, a best friend. They don't know him, church. Like you might know your husband or your wife who is a lover. Do you understand? He is the lover of our soul. And we need to be intimately acquainted with him. We need to know him, church. Like he knows us. You see, the reality is he knows you by name. But we know him as a stranger. 
He knows the number of hairs that are on your head. He, he knows the days that you will live because He ordered them and numbered them while you were being fashioned and formed in your mother's womb in complete darkness. He knows you. And He loves you. But do we know Him this morning, church? You can't love what you don't know. You, you, you can't love what you don't know, church. You see, the reality is, oh, Lord, sometimes God is nothing more than a mistress to us. When we want some, we come and get some. Do you understand what I'm saying? I dare not put God in that category, but it's who He has become, even in the house of God. I need some loving today, God. And we ignore Him the rest of the week. But when something, oh, all of a sudden we want Him to be our husband. All of a sudden we want Him to be our lover when we've ignored Him. Giving him the cold shoulder the six other days out of the week. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning, church? People gather in the house of God and they sing and they serve and they clap and they shout. And they travel to the temple week after week. They're religious in all aspects and in every way, like Paul said, yet they do not know the God they worship. They know nothing of his character. They know nothing of his holiness and his righteousness. They know nothing, church, of His mercies, which are new every morning. And His loving kindness, which endures from generation to generation. They know nothing of His jealousy. Because if they understood how jealous God was towards them... They would be jealous towards him as well. Amen. I don't know if you know anything about God's jealousy. It does something in your heart to know that there ain't nobody out there that loves you like Jesus loves you. That cares for you like Jesus cares for you. That went through hell and high water just to bring you close to him, church. They know nothing of his justice. They know nothing of His long-suffering and His grace, church. They know nothing of His character. They are strangers to His Word, to His will, and to His ways. They don't know His will because they don't know His Word. They're unfamiliar with His ways because they don't know His Word. They They don't know His Word. They don't read His Word. They don't study His Word. They're unfamiliar with it and unacquainted with it, and yet they think that they can experience God. You see, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I want to let you know the truth this morning. If you don't know this, you don't know God. If you are not intimately acquainted with this, you are not intimately acquainted with God. If you are not devoted to the bread of life, you don't know the bread of life. I want you to understand that if you are not committed to this and consecrated to this, I don't care how pretty a picture you paint of your relationship with God. If you are not acquainted with this, you are not acquainted with God. Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14 says, And that Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. And if you don't know this, you don't know Jesus. If you don't know this, you don't know Jehovah. If you don't know this, you don't know your healer. You serve a strange God. Please understand me. Without the Word of God, you cannot know God. This is God. 
This is His power. This is His wisdom. This is His light. This is His food. This is His wisdom. This is His will. This is His ways, church. And you want to know why so many of us wander in darkness? Because we don't know His ways. We stumble and we fall as we make our way through life because we don't know His will and we don't know which way to walk and we wonder why we can't be pleasing to Him. For some reason, oh my Lord, the house of God has come to this place and the, the people of God have come to this place where they think they can grow in God's grace without His Word. Without His Word, we're lost. Without His Word, we have no hope, church. If this is... If this is only a decoration in your Christian life. It's nothing more than an object of religion. And it can't do anything for you. I don't care if you got 15 of them. If you don't apply them and hide them in your heart. If this is not your sustenance. If this is not what you hunger and thirst for. You don't hunger and thirst for God. You can't have a relationship with God, church. Listen, the truth is, far too many of us are more intimately acquainted with the ways of this world than we are with the ways of God. More intimately acquainted with the things and the objects of this world than we are of the things and the ways of God, church. The reality is far too many people are strangers to His house. And His holiness and who He is. And I thank God you're here this morning because I won't be talking about you. But the reality is, if you don't know God like you should know God, you don't care about His house. You see, the reality is, if you're not devoted to this, you don't know God. And if you're not devoted to this, you don't know God. You see, this is His house. And if you knew God, you couldn't get, you couldn't wait to get where God is. Uh, amen. Now listen to me. I know you can go find God anywhere, but this is His house. This is His dwelling place, and this is His dwelling place. Now listen to me. The individuals that worship an unknown God are the individuals that have not tasted of the Lord and seen that He is good. Because listen to me. If, if they would have tasted of Him, they'd want a second helping. You understand what I'm saying, church? When you taste something that's good, you, you want some more. You want that turkey dinner six days out of the week because it tastes so good. And when you taste of God, you can't wait to have a little more of Him again. If you've truly tasted of the Lord and seen that He is good, you can't wait to get to His house. You can't wait to come into His presence so you can taste Him once again. But the sad reality is, to a lot of people, the golf green tastes a little bit better. And the lake tastes a little bit better. Or Golden Corral tastes a little bit better than the food that we're serving up at South Metro Ministries. They're more acquainted with the layout of the golf course than they're acquainted with God's personal plan for their life. And they wonder why they're lost. You understand what I'm saying this morning, church? We've got to know Him. We've got to get more acquainted with His Word. We've got to become more acquainted with His house. They've never encountered God like Isaiah encountered God. When he said, in the year King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord. 
I, I hope you understand the depths of that church. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And when Isaiah saw the Lord, something happened in his life. He became undone, the Bible says. And his life was never the same. The reality is the house of God is filled with individuals who have never become undone because they've never seen God. They've never come into His presence. They've never come into His glory. They've never tasted to see that He is good. You see, we walk around in pride. Listen, if pride is our motivation, if pride is our character, we don't know God. We don't know God. If pride is, is, is always raising its ugly head in our life, we, we need to have an occasion and an encounter and experience like Isaiah did so we can become undone. So that it can become all about Him and not about us. Amen? This is what God wants to teach us this morning. So many of us come into the house of God and we worship a God we really don't even know. They build for themselves an altar to an unknown God. And when they have a need, just like the men of Athens, they come crying and weeping and calling out to God. Just like the men of Athens. Listen, Jesus or God said in Isaiah 29, with their lips they honor me, but they worship me in vain. With their lips they honor me, but they worship me in vain. And what that means is they worship me to no avail. It's not good for God, and it's not good for them. God is saying there's some people that come into my presence and they worship me, but they worship me in vain. So the worship's no good for me, and it's no good for them. Because they don't know who I am. Because they're not personally and intimately acquainted with me. Listen, you can sing till you're blue in the face. You can recite these songs that are up on this, this, this screen via PowerPoint as many times as you want. But unless you know who you're singing them to, unless you know who you're worshiping, church, you are worshiping to no avail. It's not accomplishing anything in your life. It's why we got to know Him. The reality is we're more acquainted with the songs that we sing than the one we sing them to. It's got to change, church. It's got to change. They build for themselves an altar to an unknown God, like I said. And when they have a need, just like the men of Athens, they come crying and weeping and calling out to God. God they're not acquainted with or familiar with and personal with. And they wonder why there's no response. Look, church, here's something you need to get from this passage. They built for themselves an altar. It was never an altar for God. They built for themselves an altar because they had a need. You see what? It wasn't until they had a need they went and built that altar They had no desire to know this God prior to that plague ravaging through their land. And unfortunately, we live the same exact way. Unfortunately, church, we build an altar for ourselves unto God. We build an altar for us so we can get something from God at that altar. And we fail to realize that an altar is a place of death. An altar is a place of sacrifice. An altar is that place where it's not about me, but it's all about God. But the men of Athens, they built an altar for themselves so they could get something from God. God, I need this today. So I go and build an altar. God, I need you to work in my marriage. So I'll build an altar. I I need some money, God. 
so I'll build an altar. I need a job, so I'll build an altar. But I wonder what's ever happened to the altar of thanksgiving. I wonder what's ever happened to the altars of God is just a God that's worthy of all my praise. And if He did nothing else for me, I'll still build an altar. And I'll still lay my life down. Amen. The Bible tells us that we are to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. That's our reasonable service of worship. Listen, if you can't lay yourself down when you sing that song, your song doesn't mean anything. If you can't lay down your life as a holy sacrifice unto God, it doesn't matter what else we do, church. Our religion is useless. Our religion is worthless. And we cannot afford for that to be. Listen. Whether we believe it or not, or even agree with it or not, according to Scripture, it's possible to worship God without knowing Him. It's possible to be very religious in every way and still not know the God above all gods. It's possible to come into His house as a stranger to His name and worship Him in vain. And it happens all the time, church. They worship me in vain, God said, because they simply don't know me. Because they're not personally, intimately acquainted with who I am. That's why Paul in verse 23 says, Let me tell you all about this God you worship without knowing. He stands up before the men of Athens who have been worshiping this unknown God. And he says, Let me tell you all about this God you worship in ignorance. Let me tell you all about this God that you bow down to. Let me tell you all about this God that you raise hands to and you lift your voices to. Let me tell you all about this unknown God that you have no intimacy with and have no personal relationship with. Let me tell you all about this God whose name is Jehovah. And over the next few verses, Paul begins to tell them all about this God. And in verse 24, he says, He is the God who made the whole earth, the whole world, and everything in it. He's the God that spoke. And I'm paraphrasing and adding to it, because I know in his conversation, he spoke more. But he is the God who made the whole world and everything in it. He's the God who spoke and the world came into being. He is the God who made the world with his words and filled the world with his words as well. He is the Lord of heaven and earth and he needs no help, church. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the ruler of the universe. And as Brother Willie tells us time and time again, he is God all by himself. Amen. Reality is, he doesn't need your help because we're helpless ourselves. The reality is, he doesn't need your wisdom because the Bible says your wisdom is like his foolishness. The reality is, he doesn't need our strength because our strength is nothing more than his weakness. He doesn't need our skills and our abilities and our talents because all of those combined are nothing more than God's disabilities. Not that he has any church, but Paul's trying to make a point. God goes on and says, he himself gives life and breath to everything. 
He gives life to the sun and the moon and the stars. He gives life to the, the sea that roars and the, gives life to the trees of the field that clap its hands. He gives life to the stars that twinkle at night, the sun that rises up in the morning and the moon that shines at night. He gives life to everything, the Bible says. He speaks to the men of Athens and he says, you have life because of Jehovah. You're breathing because of Jehovah. You're walking because of Jehovah. You're talking because of Jehovah. You can hear me because of Jehovah and he has no needs church he himself and he alone gives life and breath to everything and it is he who satisfies every need it is he who is able to meet every single need you have according to his riches and glory please understand there's only one who satisfies the thirsty there's only one who fills the hungry with all good things, and that is Jehovah Church. Amen? His name is that. He is all of these things. And he goes on in verse 27, and he says, His purpose was for the nations to seek after him, though he is not far from any of us. You see, the Bible reminds us what his purpose was, church. His purpose, his sole purpose and plan was for the nations to seek after him. To seek him while he might be found. To seek him early in the morning, like David said, because we need him all throughout the day. Do you understand what I'm saying, church? To seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So all of these other things that we have need of can be added to our life. I want you to understand that his sole purpose for you this morning is for you to seek him while he might be found. For you to know him while you have an opportunity to know him. To draw close to him while you have an opportunity to grow close to him, church. There's coming a time where he can't be found. There's coming a time where he won't be heard. There's coming a time when there won't be time, church. In Psalm 91, 14, God says, because he has loved me, speaking of David, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. Because he is personally, intimately acquainted with me, Jehovah God. Listen, the reality is, there's so many of us here this morning that are troubled and tattered and in a constant turmoil because we are strangers to the one that we worship. Because we have allowed all these other gods to take priority in our life and they've overshadowed the God above all gods you see God's sole desire for you this morning and sole desire for me is to know him like I said at the beginning of the service like we've never known him before because the Bible tells us when we know him by name he said because he has known me by known me by name understand what that means I know we know the name of Jesus I know we know the name of Jehovah I know we know the name, but I'm talking about far more than a name tag this morning. I'm talking, I'm not talking about knowing his name. I'm talking about knowing him by name. I'm talking this morning about being intimately acquainted with who he is. How many of you know that back in the Old Testament, when, when you mentioned somebody's name, when you mentioned someone's name, you knew all about them. They, they were their name. Jesus said, I am that I am. 
spoke all that he needed to speak. Understand, God is more than just a name tag. We need to know him by name, church. I hope you know his name is El Elyon this morning, the Almighty One. See, I'm going to take a few minutes here to, to under, get you to understand what God means by knowing him by name. His name is El Elyon, the Almighty One. And if you don't know him by name, if you don't know El Elyon intimately and personally in your life, you will be defeated every day. But if you know him personally, if you are personally and intimately acquainted with El Elyon, it doesn't matter who comes against you, church. It doesn't matter what battle you find yourself in. You know him by name. Amen. His name is Jehovah Shammah, the ever-present one. And if you are not personally and intimately acquainted with Jehovah Shammah, you'll always feel alone. You'll always feel like you're going through life and going through your struggles and going through your trials and your tribulations all by yourself. You won't feel them in the fire. And you won't feel them in the flood. You won't recognize them in the lion's den or in the fiery furnace or when the lights go out in your life. You won't, you, you won't feel them in the midst of an ugly divorce or, or in a hospital bed. But if you know Him as Jehovah Shammah, the ever-present one, no matter where you are at, you know that He never leaves you and know that He never forsakes you and He is with you wherever you might be. His name is El Shaddai. The all-sufficient God. Who no matter what circumstance, like I just said, you find yourself in, you know the secret of contentment. Whether you're suffering lack or whether you're suffering plenty. Whether the lights are out or whether the sky is shining bright. Whether you're in health or whether you're in sickness. He is El Shaddai, my all-sufficient God, whose grace is sufficient for me. You see, there's some individuals in the house this morning that don't know Jehovah Shammah. They don't know El Elyon. They don't know Jehovah Shalom, who is their peace. There's some individuals in the house this morning whose trials and tribulations and their life circumstances and struggles are filling their life with turmoil and anguish and depression and doubt and fear and all these other things because they do not know Jehovah Shalom by name. They're not intimately acquainted with Him. They've heard about Him, but they don't have a personal relationship with Him. I need you to understand this morning. That whatever you're going through, if you're filled with turmoil, God wants you to know Him as Jehovah Shalom so that you can experience a peace that passes all understanding. A peace this world can't give and a peace the world can't take away. You don't have to bear it alone this morning, church. Jehovah Shalom wants you to know Him this morning. I could go on and on. Some of us don't know Jehovah Jireh as our provider. We're not intimately acquainted with Him. We're not intimately acquainted with who He is, and, and so our life is always suffering lack. But when you know Him as Jehovah Jireh, it doesn't matter what the circumstances look like, church. 
Because when you know Jehovah Jireh, it enables you to walk by faith and not by sight. And it doesn't matter if the cupboard is bare. And it doesn't matter if the payment's not there. And it doesn't matter if there's an area of your life where there doesn't seem to be enough to meet that need. Jehovah Jireh is our provider. And when you know Him by name, everything's all right. Amen. Some of us need to become personally acquainted with Jehovah Rapha this morning, the God who healeth thee. You've been suffering sickness far too long. And you've never had the encounter with the God who healeth thee. You've been walking around in sickness. You've been walking around under the curse of the word of the doctor that said it's cancer or it's incurable or it's something else. Because you don't know Jehovah Rapha, the one that can rise up with healing in his wings. And by whose stripes we are healed, church. Some of us don't know Jehovah Rohai, the Lord who is my shepherd this morning. And it's why we can't find green pastures. It's why we can't find still waters. It's why when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear everything that surrounds us. But when we know Jehovah Rohai as the Lord who is my shepherd, we know exactly where we're walking, church. Might be this way, but we know my shepherd's leading me. It might be this way, but I, I know my shepherd's leading me. I know that he is able to anoint my head with oil. I know he's able to cause my cup to overflow. And whether I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and death comes knocking at my door, I will not be afraid. Because I know my shepherd personally, intimately, church. Finally, some of us this morning don't know Jehovah Makedesh, the one who sanctifies me, or Jehovah Tzidkenu, the one who is my righteousness. And you're walking around in guilt, and you're walking around in shame. You're walking around under condemnation because you've never come to that place with Jehovah Tzidkenu, where the precious blood of Jesus Christ washed away your past. There's some of you that are living under the burden of guilt and shame and condemnation. You've got heavy hearts. And, and, and God wants you to know Him this morning as Jehovah Sid Canoe. How many of you this morning say, I want to know God a little bit better this morning. I, I need to know God a little bit better this morning. Maybe there's some of you here this morning that say, I've been a stranger to Jehovah too long. Maybe I've been a stranger to His Word too long. I've been a stranger to prayer too long. I've been a stranger to His house too long. Stranger to His mercy or His peace. And I need to know Him this morning. Maybe I've been a stranger to His Holy Spirit this morning. And I, I need a fresh filling. I, I need a fresh touch. I need to know Him more this morning, church. If there's any of you, I want all of you to stand to your feet at this point. Because if there's any of you here this morning, I want my altar team to come forward. It's the way the Holy Spirit wants to lead. If there's any of you here this morning, there's two things that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. If you're here this morning and you say, I've been a stranger to my God too long. I've been coming to His house your heart's there. Understand me. Your heart's there and there's a desire there. But you've been coming into his house week after week and it all just seems empty. It all just seems like a routine. We've got to hurry up and rush through because the next service is coming in. 
got to rush through because I got this and I got that. We can't know him, church, if we put him on a time frame. We can't know him if we put him on a schedule. You can't know him if you're worrying about stuff out there this morning. I want you to understand that the Bible says that he whoever, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Some of us need to be saved from sickness this morning or from doubt or depression or whatever it is. Those are the two things. If you're here this morning and you say, I need to know him a little bit better. I don't want to leave this place this morning till I'm more personally, intimately acquainted with God. I want you to begin to make your way to this altar. We're going to sing a little bit, worship a little bit, and draw near to God this morning. 